Bill Belichick, John Wooden. What do they have in common outside of dominating their respective sports? An obsession with the fundamentals. And that's what we get into today with Dave Matson, CEO of Sandler Training. It was a great episode. Tom and I literally took pieces of the podcast and put it into our own sales game throughout the week. So we hope you enjoy it. Also, at the end of the podcast is some free shit, a free pass to Dave Madsen's Sandler Training. So make sure to listen through it. Also, want to give a shout out to our share of the week, Zach Nelson. He's a senior at college, a good friend of mine. Thanks for the shares and reposts, Zach. Keep on listening, baby. And as always, this is brought to you by Tom Alamo and Ryan Warner. TR Talk, Episode 5 with Dave Matson. Focus on the behavior and the goals will come. That's a quote by our guest, Dave Matson. Dave is the CEO of Sandler Training, the world's largest sales and management training firm. They've trained the likes of LinkedIn, Toshiba, Merrill Lynch. Under Dave's tutelage, the firm has grown into 27 countries, operating over 250 units. He's also the author of two Wall Street Journal bestsellers. We could not be more excited to have Dave on the show. Dave, welcome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Ryan. And I think just to kick things off, Dave, we'd love to have a quick background on you, just so the listeners are familiar. Well, as you said, I'm a part of Sandler, and I actually was a client probably 1986. I I went to a Sandler program not knowing who they were, um, introverted by nature, and I was put in a sales role, didn't know what to do, how to act. Uh, My parents were not in the sales world, they were teachers, so... I was a fish out of water, and when I went to the Sandler program, I learned that salespeople could be made, and they're not born, so that gave me some confidence, and I also learned that they, the Sandler philosophy didn't teach scripts, and so they taught you rules of how to think. If this occurs, do this, and you get to use your own words, your own personality type, so I really gravitated towards that. I went to start working for Sandler, and then I went to see Dave Sandler in 1988, and I became his partner in 94, just kept buying more and more of the company until I owned it all in 2012. Wow, yeah, that's that's a really, uh, that's a great background and, and a great way to, to catch us up, and, and we're really you know, grateful to have you on the podcast. And you know, one thing that we found really interesting um, was your success triangle. I'd, I'd love to hear you, you kind of go on about that a little bit. So the success triangle is, it represents obviously three points which are attitude, behavior, and technique. And in the training world, everybody wants technique. How do I get past the gatekeeper? How do I shrink the sales cycle? How do I not get negotiated for margin? The list goes on and on. And so people are always looking for technique. And Sandler's known for technique. But what we found is technique by itself is short-lived. People get excited. Think about if you went to a one-day boot camp of any kind. You get excited, you get pumped, and 30 days later, you're probably using nothing because you go back to your typical routines. And so what we've learned is that if you want to sustain change and you want to make new muscle memory and part of you know new DNA, you also need, in addition to good technique, you need attitude and behavior. And so for us, the attitude things are pros and cons, right? So it's, I believe, success resides between your ears. And when I play golf, I can turn, I can, you know, talk myself into a great golf game or a poor golf game. 
a good sales meeting, a bad sales meeting. And we are stuck with fear, doubt, and worry about all the other things that go on in our life. You know, so if you told me to make cold calls and you gave me the technique, but my mom was telling me as I grew up, don't talk to strangers, there's a disconnect there. So we have to reprogram the way we look at things. And for instance, have equal business stature. So if I'm 32 years old and I'm going into a CEO who's 60, why do I feel diminished? We shouldn't feel diminished. So it's all the head stuff, even comfort zone guys, where you are successful, but the next thing you know, you're kind of riding it out because you don't want to mess up the success, but also you may not want to work as hard as you did for the first five years getting to where you are. So comfort zone is an issue. And then if we go to behavior, it's, I believe great salespeople should become behavioralists. We all know our quota. We all know, let's just say we need $10 million. But what very few people know is what do I have to do every single day to be successful? And if you come into business with me, I tell you, you need two unique conversations per day. You need five LinkedIn referral requests per day. You need X per day. Because what I believe is you can manage the behavior and if you're doing the behavior every single day, it'll happen. What you can't manage are people saying yes or no to you or the end result. And so that's really a quick overview. That is, I think, a great foundation. And one of the, I guess, principles of that that really rings true to me is the attitude and, and getting into that self-talk and that headspace. You know, do you have any tips or any, any thoughts on how young sales professionals, how millennials can can have that confidence going into a meeting where they're talking with someone maybe 20 years or elder? Well, I, I think first, equal business stature. I mean, I think you have to say they want to see me. Time is precious. Chances are they're not going to waste an hour just to make me feel good about it. So they're somewhat interested in what I have to say. So at that point, you should look at yourself as the doctor of sales. If I was a young doctor at 32, would I feel uncomfortable with elderly patients? The answer is no. Why? Because you know you're the expert. So I think you need to go into it thinking and knowing that. Also, for your head, if I was a millennial, I would do a pre-call planner. Why? It gets my head around it. I'm prepared. I know the questions I'm going to ask. I know what they're going to ask me. And if I go into it that way, then life is good. Listen, I when I started Sandler, I was 27 years old, and I waited for the day because I always used to say to myself, somebody's going to say, David, what are you going to teach me? I have been alive, or I've been selling longer than you've been alive. And I waited, and I waited, but the more I prepared, the more my confidence grew, and it never, never was asked. And, and this is just something for my own interest. Sometimes we spend a lot of time researching, and then on the call, you know, a lot of that prep work isn't discussed which is fine because I think a lot of the research is meant to you get you ready mentally, but if you were in our role, you know, a B2B sales professional, what would you be researching? What things would you have planned going into that call so it's still natural and, and conversational? Which, and I do think it should be natural and conversational. So just some quick things on researching. I would say, do I know anything about their behavioral styles? Does anything pop out? Are they analytical? Are they big picture? Are they detailed? Where are they? Next thing I would start to figure out is, on LinkedIn, do we have any common interests or common people that we know? So I would look at that. The next, so I want to figure about who you are. If I move to the business side of it, I would now look at, okay, how am I starting off the meeting? What, what are my two or three agenda items that I want to make sure that I cover 
and I also want to ask what are the two or three things that are most important to that person during the hour we're together. The big one is what's my outcome? What am I trying to achieve? So I have an hour with this CEO. My best case scenario at the end of 60 minutes is what? Most people couldn't tell you. It's, it's very interesting. So I want to know that. I would say here are the top three questions that I want to ask. Here's probably what they'll ask me. And by the way, here's how we'll respond. And if you just covered those basics, the rest will happen. I think a call that starts well ends well. If a call starts wimpy and you're all over the place, chances are the call is going to be all over the place as well. So I think you really need to firm up that first three to five minutes. Yeah, that that is uh, that's awesome. Um, and I think that for someone, especially if you're starting off in a sales role, uh, to re-listen to that and, and take those notes and take the extra time. If it takes an extra 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get those answers question, those questions answered rather, um, I think that's going to be huge. And, and I know that when we have an executive at our company that joins a meeting, you have to fill out a pretty lengthy sheet for them um, prior for, for the prep. So, um, you know, Dave, one thing that I found really interesting when I was uh, you know, looking up things, and you mentioned this at the onset about being an introvert and then diving into sales, I know quite a few folks that are in sales that are introverts as well. I'd, I'd love to hear you know, how you think that has benefited you um, throughout your career. Well, I think the first thing it's done is, is put me on edge that I have a deficit, not an asset. And, and that's not true, by the way, but since I felt that way, then I would work harder. I think for the introverts, and believe me, in our group, we've got about 600 trainers, and some of our best salespeople and trainers are introverts. Why is that? We tend to prepare and not wing it. And people who are extroverted, who have the gift of gab, I hear them say a ton of times, well, I don't really know what I'm gonna say, I don't know where I'm going, but I know I can talk my way through this process. To me, that's the worst thing you could ever say to me. As an introvert, I wanna make sure that I know exactly what I'm gonna say, and I may or may not say it. But also, I'm a great listener. I don't have to dominate the conversation. I'm okay if you do. I ask great questions, why? Because the more I can have you talk, the better off I am. Hey, listen, guys, we have two ears and one mouth. We should use them in the proportion they were given to us. So introverts, in my mind, have an, a great leg up on those who are extroverted, if you believe it to be true. Yeah. Wow, that's that's great. And so you, you mentioned um, you know, using that as, as an asset, too. So do you, when you are more comfortable asking questions, speaking less, do you often kind of take time in your head in terms of, all right, I'm gonna take a few seconds before I answer a question that the prospect asked, or I'm gonna to try to limit myself to how long my questions are, because I think that's something that an extroverted person struggles with, as, as myself, um, of you know trying to really limit how much I'm talking during a, a conversation with the prospect. Yeah. Well, I think that's a tough struggle, right? Especially if you're asking, as an extrovert, if you think, hey, I'm asking great questions or talking, at some point, this little person inside says, hey, when is it my turn to talk? Don't I normally dominate this call? Can't I just pop out and say something? And so what you do is you slip into, you know, maybe not necessarily, here's the history of my company since 1912, but if they, they ask you a question, it's almost psychologically you're saying, whew, I get a chance to talk, and then bleh, you're off and running. <laughs> You know, so to me, I think you should limit it to sound bites. You know, to me, I like less than five minutes, but I also will follow up with, hey, does that make sense? 
you know, is there anything you want to ask me about what I just said? And then I just push it back. You know, I think when you show up and throw up that product knowledge, we're in trouble. Because clients want to know, or prospective clients, do you understand my problem? And do I have confidence that you could fix my problem? Well, if you were, to, if I was going back to the doctor analogy for a second, a doctor that you show up to their office and you're hurt, but they don't know where you're hurt because it's not obvious, would we be comfortable if they said, hey guys, listen, thanks for coming in today. Before we do anything, let me show you all my diplomas. Look at all those things, they're awesome. Hey, let me tell you how I went to medical school over here. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you how I'm a great person, ba 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 ba. We would be saying to ourselves, hey, that's great. Who cares? I want to tell you about my problem. I have issues. <laughs> and great doctors have great listening skills. I think if you just look at that as an analogy, it's easy for you to say, well, maybe I don't do it that way, but I see how it is done in other industries. Well, and, and don't you think, Dave, that when folks are, you know, they do, do get the chance to speak and they start you know, going on and on about their company and so forth, it's because they're trying to build credibility or feel important. Um, and if that's not the right way to do it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how young sales professionals can build credibility. And maybe you spoke to it through the research, but any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's to build credibility first. I mean, I would go back to that opening statement and say, it's maybe because they don't know what to ask. So okay. their, their confidence allows them to just talk about product knowledge. I think we do that by default because it makes us comfortable. So slightly different. I think that you can talk a bit about industry changes, company changes that they've seen. So when I get to start, I'll say, hey, listen, boy, this industry's really changed over the last 15 years. And they'll immediately jump in and say, how did you guys deal with it here? So you can actually ask those types of questions to get it moving. And then I think a great thing to do is tell a 30 second commercial. And a 30 second commercial is something that'll sound like, you know, I work with companies such as yours who are experiencing, and then talk about right here, guys, you insert the top three pain points that you know you solve in the marketplace. You don't know if they have them yet, but I'm trolling. Here are the top three that I deal with. And you tell a little story about it. So for instance, uh, hey, they're struggling with lack of service, which means bump, bump, bump. And then you say at the end, I don't, listen, every business is different. I don't suppose you're having any of those issues. And then you can laser guide your opening right to the things that are important to them. You've built credibility because you said, I work with others just like you who are experiencing these problems. Boom, boom, boom. You'll see their heads. Yep, yep, yep. Nope, don't have that one. And immediately you're talking about things that are important to them and then end it with a slightly negative question. I don't suppose you're experiencing any of those. They say, well, yeah, I'm having a real problem with number two which is, let's say, lack of service. Don't, this is, this is where the little person inside you wants to kick in. Well, I'm service, I'm awesome at service, or tell me <laughs> service. No, I want you to stay instead. Hey, well, tell me more about that. What's it look like? And let them talk, because they're getting emotionally involved, and you're in total control. That's, that's awesome, and that kind of speaks to uh, one of your philosophies of not spilling the candy in the lobby. And um, you know, going back to the point of, of prep work, if you prep, if you prepare that ahead of time, you get all of that value in the first what, two, three minutes of the conversation. The last 57 are being able to dive deeper and, and get as much info as you can, and I, I think that's great. And um, so, so, Dave, I want to take a, a quick pivot here. We actually crowdsourced a few questions from our audience, um, and so one is about you, know, you. 
you reference on your site that your processes uh, at Sandler can help reps, uh, you know, mitigate decades of trial and error. I'd love to hear from someone, a rep, that is struggling to hit quota, where you would start to help in that process, and what's kind of the first thing that you would do to, to get them on the right course? Well, um, a couple things. One, I would want to figure out where are we falling apart. I mean, oftentimes we say, hey, I'm not hitting quota, and then everything gets thrown out, right? The baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. First thing I would say, in order to hit my quota, how many, and then re, you have to re-engineer or reverse engineer your sales process. How many proposals would I need? How many face-to-faces? How many unique conversations per day? What I find is 90% of the sales force does not have enough in the front of the funnel. And so they're not hitting quota because they're just putting garbage in there because their sales managers are pounding on them to have a certain amount in the funnel. So I would look at, do we have the right amount going into the funnel? Second thing, are we actually progressing them from stage two and three into correctly or are we pushing them through? And the more we're against quota or we're losing on a quota number, the more we shove garbage through the funnel. So here's the other thing. I think right then, I would start to figure out where are, what is my outcomes? Because here's the thing. I believe that each call should end with what are some actionable next steps? And I would, I'd also bet my paycheck that most people missing their quota aren't doing that. They're letting the prospect guide the buyer-seller dance and they're not guiding the buyer-seller dance. I think you should start off every call by saying, listen, if we have a, a great conversation, here's some next steps we'll talk about before we leave today because you need to guide the buyer through the buying process. Oftentimes, salespeople allow the buyer to guide them through the process and because they don't know how to buy what you're selling 90% of the time. So it's a real problem. So I would sit back and then I would say, okay, where am I losing them in the funnel? Well, let's just say that you're losing them in the qualification stage. I would go and say, oh, hey, what's my playbook? What am I hearing that I can't, that I can't answer properly? Where am I falling apart? Do I have my talk tracks down? And I also believe most people don't put the time and energy into their sales profession as they should. Like when I was first in sales, I would hear my top 10 objections. Here's what I should be asking in order to move forward. If a client says, hey, just send it to me, here's what I say. I think you should have that down and look at people who are successful in your company and create a playbook for yourself. Because if management doesn't hand you one, you need to create one. So I don't have to have 25 years of my head getting pounded in, you know, and some successes, some not. I would say, who's the most successful on prospecting? What do you do? And I would mimic that. What are you doing in qualification? Because you get the most people through stage two into three. What are you doing? And I think if you laser guide your questions based on your own diagnostic of your funnel where you're losing stuff, you're going to save a ton of time. Yeah, and, and just to reiterate, I, I think you, you really do a good job of making that full circle with what we were talking about before in, in two ways. One, you're preparing, meaning not only do you prepare before a call, but you're preparing your whole month, your quarter, your year based on how everything can be more effective. So breaking that down. Um, and then also, you know, going back to Ryan's point on earning credibility, you're going into that meeting, perhaps with someone you're elder or, or superior by title, and saying, 
hey, if this is a successful meeting, here are the next steps that we should have. You know, we'd like to go through a proposal or whatever it is. And you're saying that in the first few minutes, that just exudes confidence. So I think those are two really key points to pick up on. Well, I think, you know, as a professional salesperson, Tom, you've got to tell people what you want to achieve at the end of the meeting. Let's face it, they want to know that too. They know you're going to spring something on them in the 57th minute of a 60-minute call. You might as well tell them up front, and that way you both can navigate the call versus you navigating the call as a salesperson and the prospect is wondering where you're going. We've all been on the receiving end of that, right? We know something's coming. We just don't know what it is. But if you have, I call it full disclosure selling. If you just tell them right up front, I've had people say, well, I can't agree to that, Dave, at the end. And then I realized they're not the decision maker. I found that out before I even started the call. Or they'll say, yeah, that makes sense. And now they're asking me awesome business questions. Why? Because they're trying to figure out if they want to go to the next step too, versus the social conversations and we're circling the airport without landing gear and nothing happens. And hey, let me follow up. Oh, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're just getting dragged through the mud. Well, and what, what you're referring to is you know your your philosophy on the upfront contract, and I know we've got into a little got into it a little bit, but I think just to close things out here, could you give maybe a couple hypothetical upfront con- contracts and, and maybe how you think about them, just so the listeners can can leverage those? Because I know that's something that I never used, and it's it's probably very rarely used among sales professionals. Sure, um, here's what an upfront contract consists of, and that's this full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Number one, when you start off, you always thank them, obviously, and you say, here's the purpose of the call. You may have covered that on the phone, but let's face it, they didn't put as much time thinking about you as you did with them. So then you say, how much time do we have? And so if I say, hey, the purpose of the call is to find out a little bit about each other to see if there's any opportunity for us to work together. Hey, Ryan, I know on the phone we talked about 60 minutes. Is that still good? Now I'm validating time. So number one is purpose, number two is time. Number three is the agenda of the buyer. Normally there's two or three things that you wanna make sure that we cover today, Ryan. Um, And I'll ask you what those are. And and here's what I'm trying to achieve as well. I'd like to ask a little bit about who else you're working with, some of the challenges that you're having, the things that you love about, and then boom. And then I would say at the end, we can talk about some next steps. And we may find there's no fit, and that's okay. You know, that's the purpose of today. Although we may find that there, there potentially could be a fit, in which case we would take it to the next step. The next step in my process, Ryan, is that I would come back for a little longer meeting, would dig deeper with your top executives on how to solve X, Y, and Z. So I tell you that up front. So here are the steps. Purpose, time, prospects agenda, my agenda as a salesperson, outcome. If you do those five things, life is awesome. Here are the things that most people skip. Time, and then here's what happens. If I didn't say to you, hey, we talked on the phone, we still have an hour? Yeah, sure. If I didn't do that, here's what could happen to me. 20 minutes into the call, I'm blowing and going as an extrovert, and you say, hey Dave, this sounds great, but I have a fire today, there's a ton of stuff going on. I need to cut it, but can you send me what you just said because it was awesome. I leave pumped up and I got nothing. I got nothing. And so I need to validate the time. And I also, the second one that they don't do is outcome. And that's the most important. So those five steps. That is that is pure gold, Dave. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we're writing that down frantically here in the studio. So really appreciate that. Um, 
I know we're we're very short on time. We probably have five minutes left. But one thing you talked about to me when we were getting ready for this interview was, you know, the concept of how millennials, you know, maybe hop jobs too too frequently. And, and you said that's likely a derivative of the fact that you know they're not communicating with their boss. So I'd love to close things with your thoughts on how you know young sales professionals, how millennials, really in any career, can look to retrain their boss. Could you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So I've got five kids. They're all millennials. And they'll come to me and say, hey, Dad, I'm frustrated. I'm going to look for another job. And I'll, the first thing I'll say is, well, do they know you're frustrated? No. No. And so I say, well, shame on you. I think you need to bring it to the table and, and really help yourselves. And so, you know, I don't think most managers know what's important to you as a millennial, as any person, unless you tell them. And so the advice that I gave my daughter, which is advice I give them anything, is I would sit my boss down and say, hey, I really appreciate our relationship, it's great. Can I share with you some of the things that are important to me that I can learn the business, you know, get it really in depth and, and really take the next steps in my career and, and spell it out. So she ended up saying, I'd like to have an opportunity to do more projects. And I'd like the opportunity to meet with you before so we can kind of strategize the pre-call. And then I'd like you to just give me brutal feedback after the fact. I mean, I sense sometimes you're being overly nice to me, which is awesome, but I really want the brutal feedback because that's how I grow. And once she started sitting down and saying that to the manager, she called back the very next week and said, oh my gosh, it's completely different, Dad. That's awesome. But that's almost setting the upfront contract, guys, right? You're laying it out up front. This is what's important to me. Can you help me do this? Well, you don't say, you're not managing me, you're not giving me the opportunities, you're not doing this. No, switch it to a me conversation. This is what's important to me. I'd like to learn how to do this. I'd like to figure out how I can go in that direction. And then have them help you, because when you ask people for help, human nature is they will rescue you. When you tell people, I demand this, demand that, they shut you down, guys. So it's how you say it, but I think you need to just come right out and share what those issues are, and then what you would like to do in order the optimal world for you with this particular leader. It changes, I've done this a million times with millennials around the world, it works. Yeah, that, that's great, and that was another thing that I think a lot of People are agent and people of all ages, you know, some have a really close relationship with their boss and some don't. And I think that's just a great idea to sit up front, set that up front contract. And, and I think that's a that's a great idea um, and, and one that I think, you know, I would encourage everyone to, to try out. So, um, Dave, like we said, you, you've been you know, really gracious with your time. We have pages filled here with with what you've said. Um, you know, is there any any last words that you have for the audience or, or any last tips that you have? Well, I think you know we need to put the work into it. You know, ultimately, you can decide success and failure. And so really t look at yourself in the mirror and say, where do I want to be in two or three years? And how can I get there? And then become a behavioralist, as I said. Really focus on that attitude and behavior, but practice your technique every single day. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. And, and we had a, a guest on last week that, that talked about um, doing common tasks with an uncommon consistency and I think that's something that you help to repredicate here too is it's not just doing it once it's doing it every single day and, and continuing with it so I thought that was you know a lot of the points were great 
Um, so Dave, do you have any, any upcoming events or, or where can people find you on social media? I know you mentioned LinkedIn a few times and, and some of those other channels. Sure, well, we're on, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can certainly hook up with me on LinkedIn. We have an awesome client summit coming up in March in Florida where we've got thousands of clients coming in for a three-day awesome boot camp on either management or sales. But guys, if it's okay with you, you know, if any of your listeners want to go to one of our training centers as my guest, they can pick the topic that they want to see. All they have to do is say, Dave invited me, you know, I was with Tom and Ryan, and they can go to that program as my guest. Wow. Well, that is, that is incredibly gracious. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get that out to the listeners. And, and maybe even Tom and I will take you up on that. Because I know we're, uh, we're just salivating at the mouth here. We're, we're just so excited about yeah, all these ideas you've shared. Um, so no, that's great. Um, and, and folks, we'll post links to, to Dave's bio, to Sandler, to all their social channels in the description on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I think that wraps it up. So Dave, thank you very much. Again, it's been a pleasure. And we hope to do this again soon with you. Have a great day. Thank you. Look forward to it. Good stuff there from Dave Matson. Uh, helping everyone here to become the doctor of sales. I thought that was great. And, and you'll be able to find where you can get your free session of Sandler training in the show notes. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for all of the shares and comments we've been getting recently. We're extremely grateful. We hope you keep it up. We hope that you're enjoying the show. Um, so please feel free like, comment, share, Give us a review on iTunes. If that's one thing you do before you go to sleep tonight, leave us a review on iTunes. We love you. Bye.